away, Jake. Talk to us about Bible Institute, brother. I wish I was as good at this stuff as Thomas. He's such a natural. Uh, First, I just want to say it's so cool to be able to come to a church that I wouldn't necessarily call my own home church. I'm a member at Midtown Baptist Temple. But it's awesome to be able to come to a place that's in the fellowship and feel like I'm just with my family. And so thank you for welcoming me and all the missionaries here. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to do this. And so uh, before I share about my testimony in LFBI, I want to share my connection with this church in particular. So Tom mentioned I am the son-in-law to Brian. And, where'd Brian go? Here he is. Brian and Jen Johnson. So my, my wife is Jen's daughter, Julia, and uh, uh, just blessed by that. Um, so yeah, that makes me the, their son-in-law and brother-in-law to Aaron, Taylor, and Charles. And for better or worse, it's what God's given me. <laughs> I typed that joke out. I thought it was fun. <laughs> but it's so cool because through my wife, Julia, through Lisa, that's Tom and Christie's daughter, that's how we ended up at MBT. And without that connection, I would not be here today. I confidently say that. Uh, God's used that relationship to knit me into a Bible-believing disciple-making church to grow me and to grow my wife. And man, it, it's amazing. So Harvest had a, a hand in that. Fast forward a couple of years after being at MBT, my first time ever preaching was at Harvest College and Careers class down in Arkansas in 2020. Yeah. So my man Michael was there. And to my surprise, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and you and Aaron still remember the content of that sermon. It was very mediocre. <laughs> so, but praise God, it's, it's awesome. Uh, that opportunity has uh, changed my tra- trajectory. I'm thankful for it. Um. And so, yeah, all, all along the way, uh, it seems like when I look back and reflect, Harvest has been kind of a key part of my growth. And so I want to thank you guys for that. Um, and then as I get started sharing about LFBI, I do just want to touch on my testimony. So I was saved when I was 18. Uh, I didn't do much with my faith for several years. It took me a long time to get plugged into a, a church that had discipleship and a path of growth. That was the hardest part for me was finding a place to plug in that had a clear path for, uh, for me to grow in my faith. Um, and so I didn't start really living for the Lord until I started attending MBT. Uh, and just like Harvest, MBT focuses on training and equipping leaders, and, and that starts at discipleship. And so that still remains one of the most critical times of spiritual growth for me uh, and my wife as well. And the heartbeat behind that is 2 Timothy 2, 2, which reads, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses... The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And that, that really, to me, is kind of a very similar heartbeat to LFBI. It's the, the training and equipping and not just the being fed, but the, the feeding of others. That, that's, that's my personal testimony with Living Faith Bible Institute, LFBI, has been uh, getting fed from pastors within our fellowship and being equipped to feed others and not just sit there and like, soak it all up, but to be a doer of the word. And so, and if, if I'm speaking to you, if that, if that pricks something in your heart, then uh, yeah, keep listening. Uh, LFBI is an amazing tool. Um, and coming right off the recent fall retreat for Kaya, which the Harvest Careers class was also at, college and careers, um, one of the biggest takeaways was to make full proof of thy ministry. And that's also in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. And I, I had to look up, did a little search on full proof and the meaning. Um, 
It means to carry out fully, to entirely accomplish, most surely believe, to fulfill in every part. Uh, and I don't, fest, I don't profess to have arrived perfectly at that place, uh, but through LFBI, it's been enabling me to make more foolproof of the ministries that God has me in. And so as an example, me and Julia are, are pretty heavily knit into our kid town ministry, fourth and fifth grade. And for that, there was a class for children's and youth class. We got to spend a whole semester learning from pastors and teaching elders in the Living Faith Fellowship, teaching us what it looks like to minister in that context, in that ministry. And that helped us. That it was just a tool for us to love on the kids uh, and love on the parents, too. That was one of the biggest takeaways for me. Being a Bible study leader, the biblical counseling class is incredibly helpful. Manuscript evidence with Pastor Shelby, uh, that was also an, a big blessing uh, to be able to, to lead my guys well. And then uh, just from having preached a couple times in the pulpit, the homiletics class. So homiletics is the handling and preaching of God's word. And that class uh, was another really good tool for me personally. And there's a lab, and that was very challenging. Actually, I mean, I got to sit down and learn from Pastor Andrew firsthand about what he does to prep for sermons. And so you get the, the sneak peek. And so, man, if your heartbeat is to serve the Lord and you find yourself here at a Living Faith Church, Matt, I encourage you guys, sign up. It, God's going to work through you through that step of faith. And so I'm getting pretty low on time here. Um, but if we could just hit through these slides really quick. Um, so, yeah, what is Living Faith Bible Institute? Uh, serves to mold every student to the image of Christ in order to mobilize them to minister the word of God. And the next slide. So the vision uh, to provide growing leaders with faith-based education. So everything that we do in LFBI is rooted in faith. It's rooted in the faith we have in God's word. Uh, to provide an education focused on immediate application. Uh, there's no point in learning all this stuff and keeping it in our heads if we don't become doers of the word and going forth and actually ministering God's word. Uh, to provide an education focused on spiritual development. So it's, all, it's, a, it's a tool of growth. And so if you want to grow in your walk with God, this is an excellent resource for you. Um, the program, this, I appreciate this so much, is it, all of our professors, our pastors, or teaching elders, or active missionaries on the mission field. I was able to learn from Pastor Mike about Judaism while you were in Boston. You taught a class remote. And so me being able to tune into that is so cool. Um, next slide. And so we, you, we can learn online or in person at Midtown Baptist Temple on Saturdays. Um, 60 credit hours to graduate. Next slide. Uh, this is key right here. $40 a credit hour. Guys, I did a Google search of the, the top five Kansas, or not top five, the first five results of Kansas City area Bible colleges. The average uh, tuition rate per credit hour was $310. So guys, we have an incredible opportunity to learn from professors and pastors within uh, the ministry, within Living Faith Bible, or sorry, Living Faith Fellowship. Uh, and to do that all at a very low rate, uh, there's just so much safety in that. It's such a gift. And so that's all I have. Um, I do have pamphlets to hand out. You'll see me. I'm going to hang out and get some s'mores and probably a ride on the, the hayride afterwards. So if you want to talk to me, I would love to just tell you more of my testimony with LFBI and help you get plugged in in any way. But if you want to learn more on your own, visit lfbi.org. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. Thank you for listening.
My name is Mike Renault. My name is Tristan. My name is Itzel. My name is Adam. My name is Heidi. My name is Brooke. My name is Ron. My name is Isabel Todi. Uh, so I'm part of the original church planning team. I'm actually the pastor at Living Faith in Boston. And the Lord called us here to plant a church in the middle of uh, Boston, Massachusetts to reach this city and, and the region and the world. Uh, I would say to people who are considering coming that it's a very welcoming church. Uh, church that's definitely focused on serving the Lord and giving Him all the glory and the honor. Uh, the thing I like about Living Faith Boston is uh, just the people. It feels like family. Um, people are very welcoming here and care about each other. And I, yeah, I think some of my closest friendships are here at, at this church. I've met an amazing friends and besides that, I've been getting a better and better person, growing in the Word of God, learning from Him has changed my life in many ways. No limits to your love. Searching for a church to attend in the Boston area and I sort of stumbled across Living Faith Boston. I was looking for Bible study here in Boston and that brought me to Living Faith Boston. Um, I guess the Lord brought me to Living Faith Boston uh, just through His Word and the people here. We're a very welcoming church. It's a very welcoming environment, whether it's on a Sunday night or Tuesday night or one of our small groups. Uh, you will be welcome to come no matter what your background where you're coming from, what you're bringing into the church setting. We trust God to meet people right where they're at. And, um, and so yeah, we just encourage you to try it out. If you're on the verge of coming to our feet, I would say just come. Check it out, um, come eat some free Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, yeah, just come and, and see what God has to say for you. Praise the Lord. Um, man, that video always makes me miss home. That's my home now, Boston, Massachusetts. I'm actually from this area, and uh, I, I grew up not too far that way, about 10 minutes that way in Independence, Missouri. Uh, lived there all my life until I got married and then moved to Grain Valley, uh, where I lived there for almost 15 years and had a home, and we sold that back in 2019, uh, trusting God to moved to Boston, Massachusetts, and there's a lot longer story that I, I don't have time tonight to go through, um, but I invite you to afterwards come talk to me. I'd love to share it with you, but uh, this is my family, and uh, we're church planters in Boston, Massachusetts. We're just answering the call that the Lord gave all of us in Matthew chapter 28, when he told us to go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And so we're just responding to that call. We were out there. Um, I was a, a small business owner back here and uh, doing great and, and enjoying life and working in the church as a lay minister at the Midtown Baptist Temple. And God got a hold of my heart and I couldn't resist it. It was one of those things where I just couldn't put it down. And uh, we were on a vacation out in Boston and, and God just pricked my heart with what I saw there. 
that the nations had come to Boston, but the churches had vacated Boston uh, decades ago. And so uh, you still have the big buildings, the ornate stone cathedrals and, and brick cathedrals everywhere, and, and uh, not just old Catholic churches, uh, not just the big tabernacles but also uh, or synagogues, but also big, giant, old Baptist churches that were just empty uh, or being run by just a few people that were just holding on because they didn't have to pay property tax because they're exempt, and so just if they can get enough money to pay the light bill, uh, but God forbid we preach the gospel. And so for decades and decades, this has been going on up in the Northeast. Um, this is the same area regionally where you had men like Jonathan Edwards and, and the like just thundering from the pulpit hundreds of years ago, and now the gospel is, is all but gone. It's really pretty crazy. Uh, and so a while on vacation, God pricked my heart and over the period of about three years after that. God confirmed through my local church the commissioning of me to go out and begin a work. And so that next couple slides there, I think you can see. Um, you want to come back if we can. I don't know if, if you see the alleyway. Uh, man, your AV team, by the way, rocks. I, I literally got them my slides. Uh, so I got them my slides like... Uh, 30 seconds before I got up here, and uh, they're doing a great job. So there's a couple pictures of Boston, uh, some of the famous things you see on movies and things like that. Uh, the next one, I hope it's the next one anyway, is a uh, big uh, copper, no, it's not there, but uh, one of them is a big copper building in the North End, old Italian district. Um, but we went there to engage souls. The, the region has, depending on who you talk to, between 5 and 8 million people. It's sort of the, the heartbeat of all New England. The eight least churched cities in all of America are in New England, with Portland, Maine being number one, Boston being number two. That fluctuates, of course. The other two being out on the West Coast. But the nations come to Boston. In fact, 30% of the population of Boston proper is foreign-born and have transferred and immigrated there. There's about 50 colleges within about a mile radius from the city, making up about 250,000 college students at any given time. Significantly with that is about 60,000 international students who may stay and who may return back to their homeland with or without the gospel. And so as one uh, person uh, told me, he was a business mind, not a believer out in Boston, asking me why I was, came to Boston, and I was stumbling through it, and he finally stopped me, and he said, oh, I get it. It's a target-rich environment. And uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's a target-rich environment. The gospel is, is not overwhelmingly there, even underwhelmingly in Boston, and we want to change that. So God worked in my heart in the books of Ezekiel and Romans. God's searching for a man to go, and just looking over the landscape, there just wasn't a lot of activity there. Romans 10, we believe wholeheartedly that the Word of God is the key to people really, truly receiving the Jesus of the Bible. Not the Jesus that misinforms and misdirects and takes us down all sorts of other paths that are empty, but the Jesus that is both redemptive but also purposeful. And, um, and that just isn't existing out there. So I just ask you, if you would, I've just got a couple minutes left. If you'd pray for Boston, this, I uh, hope the next slide, yeah, there we go. This is kind of what we're up against. The Harvard, which began about 400 years ago, the oldest institution educationally in the States, obviously a beacon of education, um, was started originally as a, a major 
uh, institution to, to teach preachers and civic leaders. And now the head chaplain, there's about 30 or so full-time chaplains at Harvard, is an atheist. He was unanimously voted in, even by the uh, Protestant and evangelical groups. Um, so that's what we're up against. This is what is permeating society up in the Northeast and, and literally all through the major cities in our region, or I, mean, I should say in the states. And so uh, if we would allow that to prick our hearts um, I think God's calling us to consider this thing. And so I just said, here am I, Lord, send me. And that next slide, I think up there, uh, is the slide with the city map. And you'll see all the, cro- the X's are indicative of all the, the major colleges, and they're, they're more on the map. But these are ones with several thousand people or more. And the next couple slides show the church building that God, uh, through His Spirit, laid upon our laps, uh, literally... Um, by rent, we don't own the building. We're, we're renting the building a few hours a week. But if you show the next slide, you'll see the location of where this building is. Wow. Right in the midst of the college students. And we found this building lost on a trip with some pastors just scouting out the field. That's how this happened. And we were, we were traipsing through literally with our luggage. And we walked up to the steps of this church and just to let them know that we were in town considering starting a church. At the end of that 30-minute conversation, the man told us, you know what, you ought to consider renting our building. And uh, praise God, it was for a price that was way under what we'd even ever considered. We launched during COVID, and I'm out of time, but uh, if you would, just consider praying for us. Um, We launched right in the middle of COVID. You guys know what that was like, and we didn't exactly draw it up like that. Uh, But we basically just do block and tackle work. We do evangelism. We do discipleship. Our evangelism is primarily on the street and through small groups as we open the Word of God with those who are inclined to hear it. And the Lord has moved. Souls have been saved. Glory to God. We had our first cultural exchange night with our Friends of International, which Pastor Andrew Ong was was very intricately involved with. Your own pastor, who uh, sort of gave us the inspiration of that decades ago at Kansas City Baptist Temple. Sixteen people came to our first event. And uh, praise God for that. I will tell you that uh, two weeks ago we had our, our welcome party this year, a year into our, our Friends of International, and 90 students showed up. Um, all Indian students. Pretty is remarkable. So, yeah, glory to God. He's adding to the church, and, and uh, I'm going to get shot off the stage here if I don't hurry up. So would you pray, pray for the church, pray for God to bring families, pray for laborers, if you would. Sorry, guys in the back. Um, pray for laborers. And uh, one of those slides is, is an Indian student that I was just had the privilege to baptize a couple weeks ago. Um, and so uh, I'm just going to roll through these last two here. But would you pray for these things? Open doors. Give praise to God for what's going on. And there are some ways to partner with us, if you would. You can take your phone out and snap a shot of that, that last slide. I believe I've, I've had some conversations with some folks that uh, Harvest is trusting God to join with us in 2023. And so, man, I'm really excited about that. We just had some teams out and some remarkable testimonies of salvation and people connecting with God's people have occurred, and it's, it's with trips like this. And so that's all I've got. Um, I love you guys. I think, Andrew, you're up. And so thank you guys for inviting me out. Love you. All right. Good evening. Can you hear me? Am I on? Yes? Okay, I'm good. All right, good evening. Man, it's so good to be here. I got some slides for you. Uh, don't have a cool video to show you, but it's on my website. If you take my card, 
Okay, uh, my name is Andrew Ong. I'm one of the pastors in uh, Midtown Baptist Temple. Uh, my wife and my family, we're trusting the Lord to move to Vietnam next year. We are about 85% supported, so praise the Lord. Just two, two months of traveling different places, different churches, and we're already at 85%. So uh, praise the Lord. Um, uh, you know, I, I have some common grounds with some of you all. I came out of uh, Kansas City Baptist Temple back in 2001, changed my life completely. The first time that I attended a church that spoke, you know, and, you know, that spoke the word with authority and power and certainty, and it changed my life. And with that uh, came discipleship, and oh my goodness, uh, that again changed my life. You know, I had thousands of questions, had an awesome discipler. I'm actually in the line of uh, Pastor Dave Hill, who, who Pastor Dave Hill, Pastor, uh, Pastor Kenny Morgan, Pastor Kenny Morgan, disciple, Pastor Eliseo, Pastor Eliseo, disciple, Pastor Andrew Ong, and then, and then from there, we have a line of maybe six, 50, 50 plus people just on that line. Praise the Lord. Uh, this, you know, discipleship works, and discipleship is biblical. It's a slow process, but man, it gives maximum glory to the Lord, and I'm so excited about that. And that's why we're going to Vietnam. I, I got a slide next uh, just, just a brief line. Just, this is just in Midtown, that line from Kenya onward. We're going to move forward. Let's, let's, yeah. And so, so um, 2005, I was sent out uh, to go to London uh, to help a missionary plant a church there. By God's grace, it's still there. Came back in 2011, 2012, married my wife, and then we started uh, Friends of International Ministry, which is a ministry to international students. Uh, I don't know whether you know Dan Renault. Dan Renault was starting the college uh, group at that time. Uh, it was a slow start. You know, Pastor Sam was thinking, did I get the right guy to, to start? And I just remember Dan and I would always go to the balcony and we would just cry out to the Lord. That's how it started. Just cry out to the Lord. What's happening? Why, why aren't people coming? We had eight people in the college and young adults ministry and just week by week crying. And you know, the Lord just out of nowhere brought... The, 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 the slide before the, the six, seven Korean students. And that was the first Kaya Bible study was from these Korean students out of nowhere. Just came, we led them to the Lord one by one, and then Dan and I got licensed as minister. We baptized our first people. And then, yeah, we had a welcome party just as Pastor Renaud. This is uh, back in the days, you know, not as long as Pastor uh, Allen, but man, uh, our first one. And then we continued to trust the Lord. The Lord added to us, uh, and, 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 and next year, uh, you know, we got boom, you know, just exploded. And so we were able to uh, just continue to reach people to the Lord, disciple, multi-generational, uh, uh, cross-culturally, and praise the Lord. It's just uh, love it, love it, love it. But, you know, the Lord, uh, you know, has some plans for us. You know, it's looking for people to go next line. And again, very happy at Midtown Baptist Temple have a, Wonderful, you know, career, just church, everything as well. And then, uh, you know, God brought uh, us to, you know, uh, Vietnam providentially. I wasn't supposed to go. Uh, Pastor Bess was supposed to go to Vietnam. I went there, and God just began to break my heart and sent out mass email, not just to me, but the team that went with me. Man, are we coming? Are we, are we doing it? I don't know. This is back in 2017. But what I knew that, man, this God began to just work in my heart. I started crying uh, for the people there uh, just constantly. And, uh, but again, Vietnam, um, communists, 
so you're not, uh, it's not legal to congregate like this. 99 million souls in, in Vietnam, less than 1% uh, are safe. This is how it looks like uh, in Vietnam, very busy. Uh, there, there's more motorcycles than there are people there. But you know, they've been in communists uh, for so long, but there is a window of opportunity, I believe, that the Lord is opening because, you know, the, the money is pouring in from the foreign investment, so they're doing this. Does that make sense? So, so I'm like, man, I'm going to do it, you know, but I'm not the only game, but I know, man, I want to trust the Lord to make a large deposit of the discipleship philosophy, right? The discipleship ministry in Vietnam, because that's how it works, all right? That's how Jesus started that ministry, was just through the 12, through the 70, and turned the world upside down from there, right? I'm not going for quantity. I'm trusting the Lord for quality, right? Biblical discipleship, and we're going to keep going. Yeah, so this is the first trip that we went back in 2017 and already got access to families because of the, the, the relationships and the disciples that we led to the Lord here in Kansas City. They were our tour guide. We're going to go pretty quick. We did a discipleship conference in 2018 because I met up in 2017 with a pastor there and he got excited. We were meeting online, Zoom and everything. So I did a conference there and he translated, but um, he, you know, long story short, um, he didn't understand what discipleship is even after the conference, although he translated in a coffee shop, Eureka, you know, like, oh, I got, I know what you mean now. And he said, uh, Pastor, that's a lot of work. <laughs> discipleship, it's a lot of work. I said, yeah, parenting is a lot of work, right? Because that's what it is. Discipleship is parenting someone to take them from the process of, you know, a babe in Christ all the way to being a father and, and so on, Right? So, so, uh, so it wasn't going to work. Uh, so, but I, the Lord gave me this guy. This guy is a faithful man. And I, I, I don't use that word lightly because faithful man is hard to find. I mean, you know, you know that. And God just put it. That's a story. We're going to talk about that later. But been five years, this guy's just been faithful, evangelizing. He's discipling right now. He's done D1, D2. And uh, already on year one in LFBI, I'm trusting the Lord that he would be one of the national pastors uh, in Vietnam. We had more people getting saved in the same trip. Third trip, I brought my wife uh, to go with me just to check out the scene, make sure that she's cool with it. You know how it works, right? If, if the wife doesn't come, right, it doesn't work. So thumbs up from my wife. Marry a good wife, and then you'll be good to go as well. Next slide. Uh, just again, every time we're there, we're just going through uh, Bible, discipleship, just, just a, a, a sponge, and I'm just so thankful. Uh, I used to need a translator for, for, to, 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 to do Bible studies and discipleship with, with Nam. In six months, we dropped the translator. Speaking in tongues is much alive, man. <laughs> That's just a joke, okay? I don't want to lose this. All right, but we are translating the Bible, King James Bible, into the Vietnamese language because the Texas Receptus is not an English issue. It's a worldwide issue, right? Uh, everyone needs to have those tools like we have, Strong's, Lexicons, everything, to study our Bible to show ourselves a proof unto God. So we're doing that process. Uh, next slide. So fifth, fifth, uh, fifth trip there. This time my pastor, Sam Al, came with me. We did a big discipleship conference and, uh, fifth, you know, 50 other pastors, leaders came. We preached our, our heart out, but at the end of the day, we just realized it was, you, it's a new wine, old wineskin uh, issue. It, it, it wasn't going to pick up. We knew very quickly that if we are serious about 
planning a church there, making disciples there, we got to do it in the ground up, you know. And so the pastors agree. Our pastors in Midtown agree. And so they, they all agreed to send me and also uh, uh, seven, eight, eight individuals, a team that, that's coming with me, which is crazy because this is not, I mean, no, no disrespect, not, not going to Boston. I'm like, I'm trying to get a trip to Boston, right? But this is to Vietnam, right, which is kind of a lot to ask, you know. So I'm so thankful that, we, that I got a team to, to come with us. And so uh, this is COVID season, so we were di- doing the Zoom calls, uh, uh, yeah, keep going. Uh, yep, and then and then now, uh, there's a, a story to this. Um, but a long story short, the disciples are meeting every Sunday right now, which is really cool. I want to talk about this city of 10 million to 15 million. Uh, uh, city of Ho Chi Minh, Saigon, is where we want to plant that church. Uh, we're just trusting Lord where to land in this place, right? 10 million, and you got to be strategic because the, the traffic is really crazy. I think you know what I mean. So, so, so where, 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 you know? And so God gave us an Acts 16 situation where I was convinced it was going to be District 7, right? And God forbid. And then it, District 9, surely District 9 close to the schools, 40,000, 50,000 schools. The Lord forbid uh, to, to go there. There's a story to it. And then out of nowhere, there's a vision. There's a guy who's our tour guide. Jump to the bus, and, uh, you know, we were taking a, a day trip in Vietnam, and this tour guide was that, that, that guy that gave us the vision. And then he, he came in a, a bus and said, good morning, it's a fateful morning. And I'm like, that is strange uh, in Vietnam to talk like that. You know, I say, are you a Christian? I say, uh, yeah, yeah, I am. And turns out he's very connected. And so very same story with Mike, uh, that, that he knew somebody that has a registered church, and, and so we met this guy, and it was a bit intimidating. He was like 70, maybe 80 years old, sitting in a long table, and I got to meet with him and uh, with, my, with that translator, and he's like, whoa, 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 you know? And uh, out, out of that was, man, please use our church, you know? You can use our church to do service, and so we, you know, so, oh my goodness, this is a big deal, because I was trusting the Lord, man, where, where, I don't want to kick, get kicked out in year one. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I'm doing all this deputation, like getting everyone excited, and then I get kicked out in year one, no good, right? <laughs> so, so, man, God, you got to tell me, because I don't want to lead eight people astray, you know, all of that. God, you got to do, do this. And so he did, and, and now we are in the process of getting uh, that our, our statement of faith, everything, if it's uh, confirmed and, you know, everything, then we can meet there, which protects us from, uh, you know, the authorities. Uh, so we, 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 we had some baptism. We have 10 professions of faith this last trip that we took. This is just a testimony from one of the disciples. We are now having not just second-generation disciples, but third-generation uh, disciples in Vietnam. The third one is shaky. Right? It's always hard. That DNA, that initial DNA, that's the biggest thing. If you can pray anything, 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 you just remember this prayer, right? That, man, we want to have discipleship, disciples indeed, right? I'm not giving, like, sacrificing everything just to call it discipleship, but they're not disciples, right? right? They're not denying themselves, carrying the cross, and truly follow. Jesus, you know what I'm talking about? I have discipled people, but some really never counted the cost and then 
trouble comes, they leave. Man, I am, I want to trust God for that 12, you know. I got, I got, I got three right now that I'm training and, I, uh, you know, I'm trusting the Lord for more. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, during the hangout time, love to just visit and then tell, tell more about Vietnam and, and also get to know you guys. And got to see so many people that I already know and love. So praise the Lord. Thank you for your time. As I was out in the tent, uh, food tent a little bit, and then uh, cruising the new uh, play set out here, I thought we've got a whole new young generation we're reaching here. It's like, I don't know whatever the last generation after the last one was, but it's like, I don't know if that's Z minus or A prime, but uh, we're reaching a whole new demographic of young people. I praise the Lord for that. I mean, that is so encouraging and so... Uh, so I think, I think that's, I think that's important. I think, uh, you know, a year ago at this time, so next Sunday would be one year ago that Gary Hale was with us and, uh, he was with us because his wife, Allison was with us and she was with us because, uh, she came to do the ladies gathering. And so, uh, Gary was with us and, you know, I had a chance to, uh, introduce him and let, and let you hear him and, and uh, such a cool thing because I think at that moment is when I felt like God was saying to me, hey, missions conference, do you want to do this? You want to do one? And, you know, Tom and I talked, and so we told God, we're like, yeah, we want to do a missions conference. And then every week for the last two months, we've been saying, did we really want to do a missions conference of our own? Uh, because uh, it's, a, it's a lot of work, but it's good work. And you know what? When we can see your kids, our kids who are here, not just having a good time at church, and that's good, but not just to have a good time, but a good time which leads them into serve, seeing how to serve the gospel to a dying world. Well, that makes it all worth it. I mean, that, man, whatever expense and, and whatever effort, that, you know, to me, that just makes it all worth it. So Gary, go ahead and come up. You know, I, I introduced him a year ago. I got a, you know, list of things. It reads like a uh, resume. But, but really, um, Gary is a missionary because he's not a native of the country he's getting gospel into. He's a pastor of a church there. Um, between he and his wife, they run a school, a Christian school. They... Uh, have a uh, home for young girls. They have, uh, you know, Ellie has this mercy jewelry thing, which is uh, getting women out of sex trafficking. And, you know, we live in a day here in America where that was, you know, seemingly a popular thing because it became politicized. Everybody wants to talk about it. Ain't nobody being about it <laughs> when it yeah. comes to that. They are being about it. Yeah. And uh, so, Gary, thank you for being with us a thank year you. ago. That God just gave, dropped a spark right in my heart. I think for doing this, and you come preach to us. Love you. Amen. Thank you. Well, we will try not to uh, extinguish, extinguish that spark tonight. Uh, it is good to be with you all, and uh, you know, just a a um, a. A round of applause. I, you know, I, I just spoke uh, on Sunday, or no, I didn't. I spoke um, 
recently in, in Spanish. So, so I'm, my mind is, is switching over to Spanish, and I need to switch back to English. So forgive me. If I do sputter something out in Spanish, you will understand. Uh, you know, tongues is very much alive, but in, in, in Spanish, okay? So somebody here will stand up and interpret, and we should be all right, okay? Uh, but, uh, no, it is great. Yeah, you're here, okay? Uh, it is great to be with you, and give yourselves uh, a round of applause, because this is a Monday night, and this is a good crowd, right? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no football to keep you from uh, uh, coming out here tonight, right? And so... Uh, praise the Lord that uh, for you guys and uh, just the hospitality and on behalf of the missionaries, I know we just want to say thank you. Uh, thank you for your love. Thank you for your investment in us. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for being engaged. Thank you for knowing our names and knowing a little bit about what we're doing. Uh, that just means that you're, you're, you're with us uh, while we're in our respective fields. And so we just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to the missionary speakers and presenters. That encourages each of our uh, hearts and as iron sharpeneth iron. Uh, that, that is what it is for us, and so that is a blessing. Pastor Allen and, and Tom and all the coordination that you all put into this and your staff, we want to say uh, thank you for that as well. We definitely feel uh, loved and wanted. Today we were able to go out and play a little bit of golf, or some of us was a, were, were able to go out and play a little golf. Today was a separation of the sheeps and the goat, um, the players and the pretenders. And um, I was uh, the latter, um, but I, I will tell you there are some uh, uh, good good missionary players here. I'm just not one of them. So, um, but it was a good fellowship, and uh, maybe picked up a few tips for my game. Uh, I do want to uh, say thank you for your faithful support over the years for the Hale family, and and really, you know, uh, everything that's going on is is just really uh, a tribute to God and what He has done in His power and uh, what He's done uh, through. Uh, through the people that uh, he has raised up. And yes, we've been instruments. And yes, we've had a little bit of part of that. But uh, really, the ministry... Uh, the ministry is not about us. We're just instruments. We really are. Uh, we helped found the ministry in 2003. We're blessed to see it grow and expand and multiply. Um, but we have a great team around us, and that's really how things uh, are able to continue to, to, to go forward. I also want to say thank you for to... Um, the college group for coming a couple years ago, and, and you all have taken multiple trips, the, the women's group, uh, for Tom, for encouraging his college students, and Christy, for, uh, for them to come. And Michael came down for a few days uh, this summer and did some good video work, and just a sharp young man that, uh, you know, I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me to see you in missions uh, someday. Um, you know, that's, the, that's not a call. That's just, you know, something for you to think about. But... Uh, you know, just using his talents as, you know, a videographer, uh, you know, could, could be used. And then we had uh, a girl by the name of Ashton. Now, she's not with us, and so uh, I didn't want her to get a big head. So we saved that for when she wasn't here, but her mother's here and her, her sister. But uh, you all sent us Ashton for six weeks, and she really made a, a good impression, a good impact for the cause of the gospel. You know, we've done an internship, college internship. This is a chance to get hands-on admissions experience. We've done that since 2003. In fact, the, the ministry started in 2003 from a college internship. And so we see the value of sharing our life and ministry with college-age people. And uh, Ashton came down, and so we've seen a lot of interns come, uh, you know, come through. And internally... Uh, we have a, we just kind of share among ourselves. Uh, you know, one year we sort of came up with this, and 
Allie and I were talking. We were like, you know, you, can, you basically can categorize an intern in one of three levels. Uh, there are sinkers, okay, like if we're talking about being in the ocean. There are sinkers. They come down, and you know about day two or day three, they ain't going to make it, you know. And uh, you're just trying to get them to the end of the summer alive and uh, not hating life, uh, but they're sinkers. Okay, we have some of those. They just, they just sink for whatever reason. Uh, we have floaters. Those floaters, you know, they have some potential, but they've got some rough spots. And, you know, you, 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 again, you're, you're, you're trying to help them go up the next level, but uh, they're floaters, and then there are swimmers. Now, your swimmers, that's the cream of the crop. Your swimmers are the ones that you kind of look to to maybe uh, encourage them toward missions. And, you know, you kind of hope that they, they're, they're led back to the Dominican Republic, you know, if, if that would be God's will. Uh, I think after Ashton, we may have to add a category, one more up. Uh, surfer. She just, uh, uh, that girl, she, she came down and she poured herself into language study. We offer about 30 or 40 hours of classroom Spanish, and she's actually studying, taking this seriously. She's out speaking Spanish every chance she gets. She's making connections with people. She's hugging on people. I'm not a hugger, but Ashton hugs a lot, you know? Uh, <laughs> But that girl was just on fire. It was like, I mean, it, you almost felt like Ashton had like six weeks to live, and that was it, because she was pouring everything into it. It was so uh, uh, obvious, and I, I do say that uh, with all truthfulness. You should be proud of her. You should be proud of her, Mom. I know you are. But Ashton represented Harvest really well. She put her whole heart into it, and she did a great job. And so I would just ask for you to pray for her. Uh, we don't want the Hill's will. We want God's will for her. But uh, Ashton represents a whole college group that has potential to do something great for God. I want to give you tonight a free app. I've got 32 minutes, according to the, the game clock back there. And I don't think I get any timeouts. So uh, it's a running clock. And I want to give you an app. It's a free app. You're not going to find it, though, in the app store. But it's called the iGo app. Okay, the iGo app, and, um, and it's going to be free of charge. I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. And we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Verse 6 says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. 
And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together into them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. The context of this particular story. You all have as your theme the Go Conference from Acts chapter 1 verse 8 where right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples that they will be witnesses unto him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost, as you know, the birth of the church at Jerusalem and has a very Jerusalem flavor. Acts 2, we get a 30,000 foot view of what being a witness meant at that point. 30,000 foot view because we're dealing with the multitude and a, a multitude of people respond to Peter's preaching. But Acts chapter 3, we see a human interest story. We see beyond the, the, the aperture of the, the multitude and, and it closes in on a human interest story. What it means to be a witness to the person in front of you. It's interesting to me that Peter and John are on their way to pray. Something kind of just normal. Not a mountaintop experience. It's not the the Pentecost experience. It's just in the transcourse of their day, our regular routine, they're going to pray. Now for the Jewish person, they might go to the temple. A devout one might go at 9 and 12 and 3. It says here that it was the, the ninth hour, which would be about three o'clock. That's the same hour that Jesus Christ from the cross said, Father, why, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he gave up the ghost. It's at this ninth hour at 3 p.m. after just a regular uh, praying to God, going on their way to do a regular thing in their life, a spiritual discipline, to come across this man. And this story illustrates for us what it means to be a witness to the person in front of you. I understand that this miracle healing is part of the apostolic ministry. So for some of you, you're kind of wondering where I'm going with this. Am I going to release you to start healing people? No, relax. You're not going to heal anybody, okay? God still heals. He absolutely still heals. I understand that this is an apostolic ministry. I understand that this is a, uh, according to Paul, the Jews seek a sign. I understand that this is a a sign to the Jews that Peter would be able to uh, touch this man and and raise him up. What I'm going to suggest to you this evening is that as you think about going, as you're praying about going into the harvest field, whether that's across the neighborhood, across town, across the states, or in the foreign field, that Peter models three things. It's the app that I'm going to give you. The app that you must have and you must realize. The app that you must consider as you go. It's the iGo app. I told you, it's free. The first thing 
is the A. And Peter says, or Peter went under the authority of Jesus. Peter went under the authority of Jesus. Note that in verse 6, Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, there is authority. And if you're going to go on a missions trip, if you're going to get serious just about going in your neighborhood, you must understand that you go under the authority of Jesus Christ. You're not going under your own authority. Peter was not representing some self-help guru philosophy. He wasn't peddling something. He went in the name of Jesus Christ. Peter wasn't representing himself. He was representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Colossians 1.12, or 2.10, excuse me, says he's the head of all principality and power. Ephesians 1.21 Verse 22, Paul would later write from, all, from above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet. Peter, on his way to the temple to pray, comes across the man and in the authority of Jesus Christ, he, yes, he uses his apostolic ministry. I'm not talking about us using our apostolic. We don't have that, but we do have still the authority of Jesus Christ. Matthew 28, verse 18, And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me. Go ye therefore. Power, in this sense, we're not talking about physical strength. In this power, we're talking about authority. The Creator, the one who holds it all, has all authority. And He says, in this authority, go ye therefore and teach all the nations. My friends, when you go, you don't go in your name. You don't go. You don't ultimately go in the name of harvest. You go in the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the head of the church, and so yes, you're going in Harvest's name. Don't, don't throw tomatoes at me. But you're ultimately, the ultimate authority, he's the head. You're ultimately going in the name of Jesus Christ. Authority. Ye shall receive power, and the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I were able to go to South Carolina. It was another one of these where I was doing part of the week and she was doing another part of the week. That's kind of strange. We just haven't done that, but it is what it is, as they say. And I get this email that uh, I was going to be flying in the middle of the night, and the instructions were this. So-and-so family is going to receive you. Um, They've got school really early in the morning. They're both educators. And so you just... Go on in the front door, uh, find the bedroom on the right, and you just go to sleep. Now, they gave me authorization to walk into their house at the middle of the night. Never, I've never had this experience before. I mean, Brian, who's host, Brian and Carrie that are hosting me, they're not going to do that. They're going to see who's coming into their house. So I'm in down in South Carolina. The, the, young, the young college uh, pastor, you know, he's about 24, 25 years old. We're driving to this house. And so we're just small chatting, you know, at, at 12, 12.30 at night. 
And uh, he's got the address supposedly in his GPS. And so we pull up, and he's like, um, yeah, okay, so we'll see you tomorrow morning. I'll come pick you up and all that. And so I'm getting out of the car, but I, I, I notice that he keeps, he keeps looking at his GPS, and he keeps looking at, like, some paper or something. And he just, he just doesn't look too sure about this. <laughs> now, I'm thinking to myself, it's past midnight, and I'm in South Carolina. And if I go through that front door... If that door is unlocked, but that's not my host family, I mean, South Carolina is not too far from West Virginia. And I know what happens if you do that in West Virginia. What would happen if you did that here in Missouri? So I get out, and I was like, okay, you sure? And so he keeps looking. And and I'm getting there, about ready to go to the front door of this house. And he says, no, no, man, I got it wrong. I'm so sorry. Get back in the car. I had the authorization. But it was limited to a particular house, a particular address. Thankfully, we got back in the car. I don't know what he did, but we went to the right house. And this time I said, you're going with me when we go in this door. (laughs) And sure enough, I went into the door and uh, lights were off. I didn't meet the family until the next day. I went in. I I, I went in. I, I found an empty bedroom. I slept in the bed. They were gone the next morning. And uh, I just made myself at home. I, I had authorization, but, you know, my authorization was limited. I couldn't decide to sell things from their house. I couldn't decide he had a particular lawn cut on his, on his lawn. I couldn't have just said, well, let's do something else on the lawn. Let's move these shrubs over here. Really what I probably had was not so much authorization as permission. Because authorization implies a responsibility. Permission... Well, I can, if I show up, I can do it. But authorization, well, that's, that's a different story. When Jesus Christ gives us the Great Commission, it is not the Great Permission. The Great Commission is not the Great Permission if you feel like it, if, if you want to. Hey, if you're inclined to. The Great Commission is the authorization of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of the nations. And so with that, you receive that commissioning. That commissioning requires a commissioner. The commissioner is the one who's going to go and carry out the authorization or carry out the message. I have permission with this passport to get into a lot of countries. I have permission. But I don't have authorization unless I'm a diplomatic with credentials to speak on behalf of my government. I can say my opinion, but they're not going to listen to me. But if I have diplomatic credentials, well, that means that I go in the name of my country, and that's different. Many of us treat the Great Commission, I think, as permission Well, I can if I get really excited about it, instead of authorization. There's an expectation that every Christian, every Christian is a disciple, and every disciple should be a goer. And when you go, you're not going in your own name. You're going in the name of Jesus Christ. That's empowering. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. That which I have, I give unto thee. Um, In the... Vernacular of Paul, 2 Corinthians 5.19, we, 
We go as ambassadors with the ministry of reconciliation. We represent the kingdom of God. We represent Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't know Him, to a world that has rejected Him. And what would Jesus have us to do? What would Jesus have us to do with your neighbor, with your family member? What would Jesus have you to do with the coworker? What would Jesus have you to do? You're representing him in all facets of life. Hey, this doesn't start when you go overseas on a mission trip. It starts right here in your own neighborhood. It starts right in your own house. So the, applic- the implication of that is wherever I go, I'm on duty. Maybe it's to sow, maybe it's to water, maybe it's to encourage, maybe it's to help someone out, maybe it's to do one of those love one another commands. With that authority, I better prepare myself so that I represent well Jesus Christ. I don't want to misspeak. I don't want to misrepresent. And so that's why discipleship is important because it's preparing you. The gospel came to you because it's on its way to someone else. And it's through you that you're going to share the gospel to somebody else. The gospel wasn't intended to end with you or me. The second thing that Peter understood, even though he, this sign gift and miraculous ministry is, is particular to him in that, in that time window, behind all that, which we can still apply to us, is that Jesus Christ is our authority. We go in his authority. Number two, Peter went in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now think about this. In Acts chapter 4, the story continues. They're having problems with the authorities. And it says in Acts 4.22 or something that he was more than 40 years in this condition. And what's fascinating to me to think about that, more than 40 years and Christ has just recently ascended, it means that it's very possible at some point he was at the temple through the ministry of Jesus Christ. And he was lame. And probably he had to work his position in order to get to where he was. But it's possible that he was at the temple even when Jesus Christ was dedicated as a baby. He certainly was there, most likely, when Jesus went into the temple and cleansed the temple. And here he is, seeing Jesus a little bit off. And he's watching Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And the healing here is implied that he has healing spiritually too. Whether or not he accepted before or after, he's praising God and he's identifying with the apostles. The implication here is that this man has spiritual healing, but obviously has physical healing too. Now Peter did this in the power of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 6. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Takes him by the right hand, lifts him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Look at verse 12. Peter, looking at the amazement of the people, says, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness? If I'm Peter, I'm taking some credit here. And Peter's not doing it. Don't you dare take the credit of God's power. Working through you. 
Peter says it's not because we're extra holy. It's not because of something we, we've done. Look in Acts chapter 4, verse uh, 7. The authorities asked him, asked them, putting them in the midst. They asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, and then he starts explaining. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to take us back to our go theme. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. Now think about this. When Jesus ended his earthly ministry, the disciples had all the, the knowledge that they needed at that point. In the sense that they had been with Jesus, they had learned his ways, they had participated uh, in, in the miracles, they had, they, they had done their internship, when Jesus ascended, there wasn't, there wasn't another class to take. Man, they had graduated. And if that was enough, Jesus would have said, hey, hey, I'm leaving you, go out right now. But he says, wait, wait in Jerusalem for the power, because when the power comes, then you will be witnesses to me. Friends, still today, if we go in our own power, whether it's the neighborhood, whether it's across the city, across the states, or across the world, if we go in our own power, we won't be very fruitful. It's the power of the Holy Ghost working in us and through us in order to present faithfully the Word of God to the people. It's not, it's not us, it's God working in and through us. And ultimately through His Word and His Spirit that they work in concert always in a person's life. So what we have to remember is that Peter went in the power of the Holy Ghost and so must we. That means how I live my life is important. It's important because my life is a witness. Now look, again, we're not saying that you're going to be touching people. Please please don't, I mean, oh, we've shared this before, but, you know, Allison and I, and, and please don't, we're okay, but we haven't, yeah, I've been able to have children, and we're okay. We're in our mid-40s now, you know. That ship has sailed probably. We're okay. We've had so many people touch Allison. It's just kind of gross. You know, they've touched her in all kinds of places and have prayed and prophesied. I'm not talking our people in our church. They'd be trouble. But I'm talking about when we've gone, she's gone out to different places, and everybody, I've got a word for you and all that. I mean, if we started stoning all the false prophets, we'd be in jail, you know. You're not going to be doing that. But you still must go in the power. The power of God. You still must do that today. You're not, you're not healing anybody, but you still must go in the power because if you go in your own power, it's going to be fruitless. So whether that's across the world, across the neighborhood, or across Kansas City, interesting about the filling of the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, if you will, Acts 2, 4, 4, 8, 4, 31, 9, 17, 13, 9. When followers were filled with the Holy Ghost, their witness in the Word made powerful impact on others. And the more our hearts are controlled by God, the more our lives will resemble the life of Christ. The more our hearts are controlled by God, the more our lips will speak the word. Almost every time where you see someone being filled with the Holy Ghost, their lips are filled with the word of God. 
We might say this. We can go without a filling, but we can't be filled and not go. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you will have the Word of God on the lips as you represent Christ. Are you filled this evening? After my golf game, I'm not, but... I got to get back to this point, you know? An old writer, Andrew Murray, said, uh, without the filling of the Spirit, it's absolutely impossible for an individual Christian or a church to live or work as God desires. It's absolutely impossible, he said. Third thing, not only did Peter go under the authority of Jesus Christ, Not only did he go in the power of the Holy Ghost, the third and lastly, Jesus went with the Peter went with the presence of Jesus. It's not as clear in this text if Peter really recognizes that. We have to bring in other texts to kind of give us this point. Why did he stop to this man? I think there was a holy nudging. If we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we, also, we have to first have His heart. We have to see people in their need. And we have to represent under the authority of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Ghost, if we're going to be the hands and feet, we have to first have the heart. And Jesus Christ is with us. One writer said it this way, The Spirit of Christ is a, the Spirit of Missions. And the closer we are to Him, the more intensely missionary we will have to become. You can't be close to Jesus and not, and not care about others. It's impossible. The closer you draw to Him, the, 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 the more the heartbeat you're going to have in your life for others. You're going to care. Look at uh, Acts 4.13. When they saw the boldness of Peter... And John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They didn't have all the degrees, and I'm not against education. I've got that, working on that, you know. But it's the fact that they, were, they had been present with Jesus in the past. But I'm going to tell you that Jesus is with us right now. Not just the past. I mean, some people, you ask their testimony, and it's like, well, okay, that was good 20 years ago. And you're still saved, but where's the fresh walk with him? You know what I'm saying? There should be a freshness about your walk. Mercies are new every morning. Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you. Always. My friends, when you go out to represent Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Ghost, Jesus Christ is with you. He's with you. You say, why is that important? That's important because there are going to be some difficult times. In the ministry, personally, I, I remember four or five years ago being on the hospital bed Bleeding, my hemoglobin below five, my skin 
paling out. My wife, she's usually, I mean, she, it takes a lot. To, I mean, she doesn't give me any sympathy for any colds or anything like that. I mean, she's just, she's cold. She's cold. <laughs> what can I say? No sympathy from her. But boy, that Saturday morning, when the people called back and said, you need to get him to the hospital. He's in a danger zone. His organs could start shutting down. My hemoglobin dropped under five. My lips were turning, I think, purple or blue, they said. And I remember being in the hospital bed on a Saturday night. It was the weekend of the Super Bowl. It was when the Falcons lost the, the big lead and all that. It was that Super Bowl. And I remember just wondering, is this it? Is this my life? Am I ready to bring my portfolio to the Lord and say, this is what I've done for you? And then I had a piece that came across me. And parts of the 23rd Psalm rose up in my heart. The Good Shepherd was with me. And though I walked through the the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, I won't fear any evil. And you know, in that moment, I realized that I experienced the, the presence of Jesus with me through the comforter of the Holy Spirit. My friends, you don't go alone. What I'm trying to tell you, I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm passionate about it because if you can see that you go under the authority in the power of the Holy Ghost and with the presence of Jesus, all you have to do is obey. He'll use you as an empty vessel. You say, but I can't speak. You say, I can't, I I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. For with God there is nothing impossible. Or when your house is broken into. Man, we've had our house broken into a number of times. You know, it just kind of comes with the territory. I remember the first time we got really hit hard. Man, we came home. My brother was staying with me. My wife starts accusing. I'm telling you, she's cold. She's cold. She starts accusing my brother of, I mean, because the TV was sitting out. This was when you had like kind of a box TV. You know, it was before the nice flat screen. He was sitting on the floor. She's like, what's your brother doing? Playing around. And she may have said a little nicer than that. I'll give her credit. And uh, we come in and, and we start seeing things all messed up. And, uh, you know, that can be a scary thing for a family. We go down to the police station because that's what you're supposed to do. We, we go up there. The guy, the guy is on a wooden bench, gray pants and white T-shirt. Okay? He's out of uniform. It looks like Barney Fife. Because he wakes up and he's rubbing the sleep out of his eye. And he's like, yeah, can I help you? He's like, yeah, come over here. Uh, and so he, he sets us down across the desk. And he says, uh, so you need to make a report? Yeah, he said, we needed that. He said, well, let me enter in the information. I kid you not. We're waiting for him to pull out the, the computer. I kid you not that he reaches for, there's a, there's a, there's a row of notebooks. And he reaches for the uh, i got to make sure because I don't want to watch this show. The SpongeBob SquarePants Notebook. I kid you not, I'm not embellishing the story. 
he took out the SpongeBob SquarePants notebook and he opens up it and, and he turns the pages and I'm watching all these other these reports that he has logged in and he gets to the empty page and he says, okay, tell me. You don't feel like you've got a lot of help in that moment. Now, what was funny is I gave him the benefit of the doubt. It's the middle of the night. We're reporting. He's asleep. He's probably going to take this SpongeBob SquarePants. He's going to enter it in the database, and it will be good. Well, we found, we figured out a day or two later that, uh, that we had forgotten something that they had stolen. So we went back to the police station. We go back to this guy. We go back to Barney Fife. He wakes up again. He, he says, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I remember that. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, I logged that all in. Okay, great. And so I'm expecting him to pull out a police report. You know where he goes back to? The SpongeBob SquarePants notebook. He pulls it out. He opens it up to our page. And he says, okay, now tell me what, what else they stole. You say, what's the point of the story? The point of the story is that sometimes you're going to feel very alone. Jesus Christ is with you always in ministry and personally. You go under the authority of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Ghost and with the presence of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. I want to um, encourage you to think about one thing to do. And maybe you just do this in your seat. I don't want to impose upon Pastor Allen. That's not my style nor anything I want to do. When I was growing up as a child and we had missions conferences at my church, I used to fear them because I just knew that God would call my parents to the mission field. And one day, a missionary speaker said, Would you, parents, consider that if God called your children into missions, that you would release them and get behind them to follow God's call in their life. Now listen to me. I remember the night that my parents went down and prayed. And I was sitting with the youth on the other side. And I remember thinking, you're thinking about my brother? You're thinking about my sister, but you're, you're definitely not praying for me. But I remember them praying. And my parents were my biggest supporters when I surrendered to missions. Have you done that? Because listen, you can try to protect your kids. But they go under the authority of Jesus Christ. Don't get in that way. They go in the power of the Holy Ghost. And they go with the presence of Jesus Christ. What are you worried about? I want to encourage you at some point, whether that's tonight or sometime during this conference, parents, grandparents, pray, Lord, they're yours. They're yours.